Good morning. Isn't it great to be a Christian? Isn't it great to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ? Stay there in your Bibles, please, in Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 7. We'll get to that in a minute. It's the Church of Jesus Christ at Philadelphia. Two Greek words conjoined together, one word meaning brother, the other meaning love. We even know, based on uh, some cities, a city or two that we have in, our, in the states, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, originating this city, anyway, the name originating from the king of Pergamum, whose last name was Philadelphus. It wasn't a large city, but it was built around a really fertile area known for its wine production. And because of its numerous buildings and its magnificent temples, it was sometimes referred to as Little Athens. But in that reading that Elijah did so, so well, did you notice anything different with the church at Philadelphia versus all the other churches so far? Did you notice that for this church, Jesus doesn't mention any weakness really, and he mentions no sin that they were involved in. If you've ever wondered what a faithful church looks like, look no further. The church of Jesus Christ at Philadelphia was a faithful body of people. And this faithful church is going to teach us some really crucial things this morning. Crucial things that we need to hang on to tightly. The first one is very simple. A faithful church can be small, but highly effective. A faithful church can be small, but highly effective. Did you catch this phrase? Chapter 3 and verse 8. Because you have little strength... Because you have little power, yet. You see, I'm just telling you, God, God does his best work with things and with people who are seemingly insignificant or small to carry out his will. You need to know this. You need to hang tightly to this. God is in the business of using Small people, small churches to do awesome things for him. Let me prove it to you. Jesus takes a small seed, a mustard seed, in relation and shows it to them in relation to how big and effective and influential the kingdom of God can be. Matthew chapter 13. Jesus does it again. He takes a mustard seed and he teaches the people that if you'll just have the faith, a small amount of faith like a mustard seed, I will do great things with that faith. Matthew chapter 17. Jesus eventually in Mark 12 tells about an unknown widow woman who brings a couple of coins to the temple. And Jesus points her out. And says, that right there, that's what I'm looking for. 
And she gives way less than everybody else. But she was faithful. She was sacrificial. Jesus encounters a a woman. And not just a woman, but a Samaritan woman. And he changes her life. And she goes on, John chapter 4, back to town and convinces the whole city to go out and meet Jesus to have their lives changed through this woman. God, God uses a man named Gideon, who was no doubt the least of his entire family. He was the youngest, the smallest Therefore, the least respected out of the entire tribe, his social position put, put him in charge of menial tasks around the family farm. But late one time, one evening, he's threshing wheat in the wine press to hide it from the evil Midianites. You know the story. And an angel appears to him and tells him that he's about to save all of Israel. And after some extended field testing, to make sure that the angel was for real. Gideon agrees to lead Israel into battle. And Gideon had to dig deep to fully trust God. Because it's really not how small we are, it's how big he is. That, that's the key. And so he trusted God when he allowed only 300 men in that army to defeat the Midianites. With Gideon. And then Jesus uses this little boy. Among the thousands that are out there, he uses a little boy who had a few fish and some bread to feed more than 5,000 people. And then God uses, and we could go take this all day, God uses the youngest and the smallest boy of a large family along with five smooth stones to kill a giant. Because that boy realized something early in life. The battle belongs to the Lord, not to me. So while Philadelphia may have been weak, maybe in terms of number, it doesn't matter. They have God. They have God. Because with God, he doesn't need size. He doesn't need strength. He doesn't need amazing ability or or quantity. He doesn't need wealth or prominence or experience. God doesn't need experience with you. He doesn't need your vast experience. He doesn't need your age. He's looking for one thing, church. Mark this down. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. He's looking for one thing this morning. He's not impressed by what you've done, where you've been, how long you've been that, maybe how many souls you've influenced or saved. He's not impressed by that. He just wants you to be faithful. All that stuff's great, by the way, but if you don't make it, what does it mean? What does it mean? And he looks at the church of Jesus Christ of Philadelphia, and he goes, even though you're, you're weak, You have little power, but you did some things right. And ultimately, you were faithful. Small, but faithful. Okay, but the second thing that you need to hold on to is that a faithful church is one that keeps three things, if you're taking notes. 
keeps three things right out of the text. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 8. Number one, they kept the word of Jesus. They kept the word of Jesus. Verse 8, I know your deeds. Behold, I have before you an open door which no one can shut because you have little power and yet you have kept my word. You know, Paul told a young man named Timothy, hold fast to the pattern of sound words which you've heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because the power is in the word. You hold fast to that word. You remember what Jesus said at the end of the sermon in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, right, is like a man who built his house on the rock. And when the winds come and the waves hit, his house does what? It stands. That's this church. Oh, they may be small. They may be weak in some areas, but they're not really powerless, right? Because they have built their lives on the word of God. James chapter 1 and verse 22. You know this passage. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. And then he goes on in verse 25. Everyone who does these words of mine will be blessed in everything that he does, just like this church right here. Stay faithful to the word. Keep the, how were they faithful? They kept his word. What about you this year? The rest of this year? Into next year? Will you be faithful in this way? But the second thing that they kept was their faith. Verse 8, and you have not denied my name. Matthew chapter 10, here's what the Bible says. Jesus says, therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I'll confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before the Father in heaven. In other words, keep your faith in me. Confess me every day of your life. Confess me to everyone. And that's what they were doing. They were confessing. They weren't, they weren't going to deny him. All this stuff happening, all this persecution in that area, we hear about it. That's what actually, this whole letter is about persecution. The theme of the letter of Revelation is one, one word, overcome. So at the, at the first, Revelation 1, at the title there, you need to write the theme is overcome. Well, overcome what? All of these trials. Everyone's after these Christians. So he writes in code. And the code comes out to be, be faithful to me. I'll stay faithful to you. You be faithful to me. Do not deny my name. All that's going on, you may lose your life over it. Do not deny me. That what, I mean, that's the type of Christians that we're dealing with here. The third thing, they kept their perseverance in Jesus. Verse 10, because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I will also keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on earth. Another version, because you have kept my command to, per to persevere, the Bible says. What, what is the idea of perseverance? Listen, to remain or to endure under trials, to hold on to one's faith, to cleave faithfully, to bear bravely, that's perseverance. James chapter 1, consider it all joy, my brothers, when you fall into various trials, right? You know this verse, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Listen to it. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect 
and complete, lacking nothing. Skip down to verse 12 of James 1, and here's what you're going to find. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trials. Why? Well, once he's approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to all who love him. This is the church. They persevered. It was, was it tough? Did they shed tears? Were they scared? Yes. Yes. Absolutely yes. But they held on to their faith, they kept his word, and they persevered. And now, 2,000 years later, we're reading about them. The faithful church of Jesus Christ in Philadelphia. You see, they refused to give up on Jesus when treated wrong. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know exactly where you are in your walk with God, your journey with Him today, but there's going to be a point that some other Christian, listen closely to this, there's going to be a point that some other Christian is going to do you bad. No, just mark it down. If you're allowed to live a little longer, the church in some way, someone in the body of Christ is going to do you wrong. Someone outside the body is going to hurt you, make fun of your faith, mock you, ridicule you, maybe, maybe hurt you, harass you. What will you do? We, we do the same thing the church of Jesus at Philadelphia did. We stay faithful and we persevere. We keep his word, we keep our faith in Jesus, and we persevere under trials. That's why Jesus counts them as faithful. And last of all this morning, a faithful church enjoys the blessings that come from keeping that faith. Did you hear all this? Verse 8, doors of opportunity I have opened for you. Don't you worry. I'm going to open doors for you. Why, why does he open doors for them and not these other churches? Because that's what, that's what, keeping our faith in Jesus leads to. When I am faithful in the small things, he opens up doors of opportunity for bigger things. With you as an individual and with us collectively. Isn't it great to be a member of the church of Jesus Christ? Because as we do, as we keep our faith in him and we persevere and we keep the word, as he says, doors of opportunity open to you. I'm going to bless you in those ways. You might not even see what the doors are, but I'm going to keep opening. Protection, verse 9, from Satan and Satan's followers. The prince of the air, Satan, the one who's out to get you, First Peter chapter 5, who prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, I'm going to protect you from him. And I'm going to protect you from everyone Who's following him too? Don't you worry. You stay faithful to me. Verse 10, protection from trials as they start up. I've got you covered. You don't have anything to worry about. about. Verse 11, I'm, I'm going to keep that crown of life that you have right now. You're going to keep it because you're faithful to me. Verse 12, I'm going to consider you a pillar among other churches. Verse 12, I'm going to give you a new name. Brethren, here's the concept that as we 
stay faithful to Jesus in all the small things, he keeps giving us bigger things. And he keeps us strong in that faith. Day after day. Do you remember a lesson or two back? The church of Smyrna. Revelation 2. They were ones that were struggling with a lot of persecution. Not, not necessarily sin, but the testing of their faith. And you know what he tells that church in Revelation 2 and verse 10? Look at it with me. It's the very last part of verse 10. Be faithful even if you die. I know your translation may say, be faithful unto death. The idea, the idea of the, the original language is not be faithful until you die. Be faithful even if you die. That's, that's the concept of Revelation 2 and verse 10. Be faithful even if you die for that faith. And I will give you, what does it say? I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful even if you die. So, I have a challenge for you, a church challenge. You ready for this? It's found in Matthew 25. We're going to use a verse for it. This is the concept of Jesus separating the sheep from the goats. And he says these words, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Talks about it with the talents. Talks this concept with the sheep. You have been faithful in the small areas. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Brethren, that's, those are the words that we're longing for, right? I mean, I don't know if you ever, this happened to you the first time that your father said that he was proud of you? If that hasn't happened to you, I'm sorry for that. I really am. But this is what it makes me think of. That we've held true to what God wants from us. And then the king stands up from his throne and he says, Son, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. You stayed faithful in the small things. You turned your whole life over to me. And I've given you more. Come and live with me. Come and, come and be with me for eternity. Brethren, there, there, there's no more that you could long for than to hear those words. If you're longing for something different than those words... Like your life is empty. And, and in essence, the church of Jesus Christ at Philadelphia, that's what they're hearing are these words. You've kept my word. You've, kept, you've never denied me. And your perseverance is impressive. Uh, you're going to keep that, that crown that you have. You're going to keep it. 
There's nothing else greater than this. Then let's live up to this declaration. Because I'm here to tell you, my brothers and my sisters, for the church at Philadelphia, it wasn't about their giving. It wasn't about their accomplishments. Listen closely. It wasn't about their intellect. It wasn't about their position in society or in the corporate world. It wasn't about how many classes they had taught, how many studies they had had, how many people, that, you know, how many small groups they had led individually. It wasn't about their role as being a, an evangelist or a preacher or a deacon or a Bible class teacher or, a, or an elder. It wasn't their ability to speak or to write or to work hard or to attend services. It was their faithfulness in King Jesus in all areas of life. That's what it was about for the church of Jesus Christ at Philadelphia. And for some of us, I'm not sure that's what this is about. And let's change it today. This very hour, let's make it about us being faithful to his cause. Even when things go wrong. C.S. Lewis once said, They say of temporal suffering, No future bliss can make up for it. Not knowing that heaven, once attained, will work backwards and turn even that agony into glory. All I'm telling you is things for the church of Jesus Christ at Philadelphia were not smooth. And they weren't easy. And seemingly they had very little power about them. But all they needed to do is stay faithful to Jesus. And it will make everything that you go through in this life, it'll make it worth it. Because nothing, on this, nothing in this world, nothing that earth can provide will ever overshadow what heaven provides. My brothers and sisters, if you have not been faithful to King Jesus in your life, Come back to him today because it grieves me to think that any soul sitting here today, when you've got the opportunity, it grieves me to think that you wouldn't hear these words, well done, my faithful servant, well done, enter in. So if you need to come home, or you simply need to come to Jesus and by faith put him on in baptism, having your sins washed away, repenting of your lifestyle, come to him today as we stand.